Hello, everybody. It is great to be here one more time today. And my name is Gary Fowler, and I'm the CEO, President, and Founder of GSD Get You Done Venture Studios, a premier AI and quantum venture studio located in the heart of Silicon Valley. I'm a 17-time serial entrepreneur with several unicorns under my belt. I was on the original management team at Click Software, which was sold to Salesforce for $1.35 billion, and also EBIT.ai, an AI HR tech company that I co-founded with Dr. David Yang. We believe at GSD that intellectual capacity is evenly spread around the world, but opportunities are not. And with that, I have an incredible guest today, Kumesh Arumugan is a serial entrepreneur. He's the co-founder and CEO of Acern, the leading no-code NLP platform, which categorizes and analyzes textual content for financial services. He's raised $40 million in venture capital. He was listed as 30 under 30 for Forbes for enterprise technology among fast companies, top 50, next big things in tech and financial technology reports, top fintech CEOs. And with that, I'd like to bring Kumesh on. Hi, Kumesh. How are you doing today? Hey, Gary. Doing good. And you? Oh, I'm great. Fantastic. Actually, I just got back from Poland. So oh, no I, feel, I feel a little bit, uh, I was speaking in Gdansk and uh, it's on the uh, Baltic and uh, it was quite interesting because I thought there would only be a few thousand people. Turned out there were almost 8,000 folks come in oh, wow. and some incredible technologists. And a lot, by the way, came over from the Ukraine. So a lot of Ukrainians are in Poland. That was an uh, uh, electric atmosphere with some really, really cool and exciting companies. That's so, awesome. So tell me a little bit about it. So you went to Pace University. Now, how did you go from, you know, you... you uh, studied at the Lubin School of Business. How in the world did you go from being a CPA to starting your own business? Yeah, um, so I was essentially working at Citigroup. Um, so I was uh, in the equity research side at Citi. And essentially what you do as an equity research analyst is you look at different types of companies and you research them. You look at millions of news articles on a daily basis. You go on Bloomberg, you go on FactSet. Uh, you try to research everything on these companies and you create research reports. And every day you're doing manual labor. It's kind of like manual work uh, that you're doing. And a lot of banks have been hiring a lot of analysts like myself to really scale up on a number of companies that can cover and create these reports. And my idea was like, how do we automate this entire process? Um, and so while I was at City and a few other companies, um, I thought about enterprise workflow automation. So how can we really automate the entire workflow process of the enterprise versus them having to scale with people to increase the, the level of activities they're doing? Um, so that's kind of how we got started uh, with Axern. Well, but how do you go from being a general accountant or a financial analyst, but there's a one day you woke up and said, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur. All of a sudden, I've thought about it and that's what I want to do. Did you, how was that experience? What was it like? Yeah, it's when you work a nine to five job, uh, you're putting in a lot of effort. I usually put in way more effort than going to 5 p.m. and calling it quits. Um, so you put a lot of effort, but the pay scale is not exponential. And so I was always like, all right, how do I dedicate a lot of my time, a lot of my energy, but have that exponential growth? And the only way you can do that is really starting a business um, and going into startup world and really taking some idea that you have, you have a strong passion on, you see a large market, 
and just trying to scale it, put all your efforts into that one basket, and hopefully it becomes a success. Now, it's interesting. We're getting some comments. Some uh, folks from Poland are coming on, and they're saying, oh, so great to hear you had a good experience in Poland. Uh, That's great. <laughs> yeah, lots, I mean, by the way, there's lots of incredible uh, offshore development companies, a lot of companies. I don't know, Kumesh, how much you focus on the Central and Eastern European market, but there's mm -hmm. incredible companies there that are basically untapped. And, yeah. you know, most people don't know about them. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, uh, you know, uh, pleasantly surprising, by the way. So yeah. if you any resources, there's a couple that just uh, came online and they're, they're listening to you today. Oh, that's great. Yeah, we're always looking for a resource on how we can optimize. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, Mikal so, uh, uh, and Tomas, so if you know anybody that's looking for some, uh, that has offshore developers, might mm -hmm. be interested. Kumesh could be interested in it. Just make sure they're the best in the world, which I know you have there. Really good. <laughs> okay, so, um, so what was it like? You went to the Ford Foundation. What was that all about? Yeah, so the Ford Foundation, um, essentially I was doing accounting there. Uh, there was really uh, no equity research or anything. It was just uh, boring old accounting, but it was me just getting a head start in the corporate world, uh, just understanding the corporate world, understanding what nine to five, uh, how do nine to five uh, things feel like. And end of the day, it wasn't for me. Um, I want to do something I have full control over and I can put all my energy into making it grow. Um, but it was a great experience. Uh, the people there at Ford Foundation are doing tremendous amount of uh, great things. Well, what is a Ford Foundation anyhow? What do they do? Is it like a philanthropy or what is it? Yeah, yeah, it's a nonprofit. Um, originally it was funded, I believe by um, Henry Ford. Um, and uh, it's basically a nonprofit for social causes. Um, and I believe it is a nonprofit, but they don't accept outside funding. I believe it's just internal, um, funding and it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it, I think it's so one of just, the top five. They, just, they only accept inside funding you're saying? Yeah. I think it's from, uh, just the family itself, the Ford, um, the Ford family. Really? That's interesting. And how big is the Ford foundation? Pretty big. Um, I believe it's the top 10 or top five uh, nonprofits in the world. Um, I might like in terms of them accepting funding from outside or inside, maybe that might have changed. But when I was there, I believe it was just um, the Ford family. That's amazing. Now, did you meet members of the Ford family? I have not. Um, but the company was so small. Uh, I believe it was less than a hundred people or so um, in just one building in time in, uh, in 42nd street in Manhattan. And we got to meet everyone within the company, even the president uh, of Ford. Uh, and it was just, it was just a great work, work culture there. And it was one that's of my first experiences. That's really cool. Well, yeah. that's, and where are you from originally? Are you from New York originally? Or where are you from? No. So I was born in South America in uh, British Guyana. Um, and I came to New York when I was seven. So I've been in New York for, I think about 23 years or so now. So it's been a while. Now, do you get to go back to Guyana or not? No, I haven't went back in uh, decades. Um, so uh, yeah, I haven't went back, but I, all my family came from Guyana and now they're in uh, New York City. Um, so no reason to really go back. And how is it down in Guyana? Yeah, so it wasn't that great when uh, back in the days, but um, 
but now they actually discover oil. So the GDP is increasing quite a lot. I hope you guys got some land down there still. Take advantage of it. Yeah, so it's uh, it's it's somehow getting in, getting uh, really good, but previously a lot of crimes uh, and so forth there. Wow, that's great. Well, you've been through a lot. Now, how in the world did you? Um, so you get into the uh, the thirty under thirty. Now, how did you get that? Now, where did that come from? Who gave you the um, that uh, recommendation? Where did it come from? Yeah, I. I um... I think it was just a, a few supportive investors. Um, so I, it, it, the, the list is kind of a blacklist, like you have no idea on how you're gonna get it or what the criterias are. Uh, so no one really knows the formula of getting that. Um, so we we got uh, Forbes 30 and 30 back in 2018 and we were for enterprise technology. Um, that's when we actually, when we closed our seed round. Um, and so, yeah, we have no idea how we made the list, but um, it happened. And actually, in the same exact class of Enterprise AI in that same year was the um, the co-founder of um, OpenAI uh, as well. Um, Who so was that? Which one? Um, I think it was Sam Altman. Um, I think it was, yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Now, do you still talk to him? Uh, no. No. No? Um, hey, Sam, what's going on? You got any... Uh... <laughs> Got any uh, shares, maybe, or something like that? I could get into. Exactly. <laughs> wow. yeah. So then, what about Lazarus? What is that all about? The product design agency. Who's who has that? Is that yours or? No, no, no. So it's um, it's one of my. So actually, that was one of Axern's first designer. Uh, so we hired him as our first designer, and he then built the entire design agency. Um, and then I just basically started supporting him as just an advisor. Um, and so now he's one of the largest product design agency in New York City, serving some of the top uh, startups from Series A to Unicorn. And wow. he's, in, he's in bed with some of the top tier VCs, and they're all using him. So it's, uh, it's great. Even we're using him at Axern. Now, how long ago was that? When did you get started with uh, him and how long ago did they f get founded, Lazarus? Yeah, so he started the company about seven years ago. Um, we actually been using um, him, the CEO, as our designer, um, I would say seven years ago too. Uh, so he started ever since and, it, and he took it off. He started scaling it and I recently met him up at New York City a few months ago and he wanted some introductions to VC firms and some other companies. And so I just became an advisor and I've been helping him out, connecting him to investors. So uh, potentially get some business from. That's fantastic. So what about uh, you've got this uh, Ramugan Capital, your family's, is that yours? Is it a family office or what is that? No, it's just a venture syndicate um, that I um, I have. So I have a lot of friends um, that are doing startups in the enterprise AI space and the fintech space, and they're all looking for capital, especially in this market. Um, and we have a lot of investors um, on our cap table. I also know a lot of investors that are looking for enterprise AI deals. So essentially, if um, an investor is interested, we would spin up a syndicate and we would invest in these companies. Um, and typically, we would invest anywhere between 100000 to a million, depending on deal size. Um, but it, we, I just started. I'm not managing any of that. Um, I just have a guy that's running it because um, Axner is just taking up 110% of my time right now. Well, that's great. So, you know, the, so, I mean, the idea behind Discern is you're driving 
uh, operational efficiency, right, and revenues for some of the largest uh, financial services enterprises. Mm-hmm. And you're doing this low code, the first no code, low code for platform as a services, I understand. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, so we were actually one of the first um, no code natural language processing platform in the market. Um, and we were actually very early in terms of using large language models. So as you can know, as you can see, there's a lot of hype when it, when it comes to generative AI right now. And people are going crazy for large language models. But large language models have been out for years now. And we were one of the first to actually implement large language models. Uh, we basically used Google BERT and we tweaked it for financial services. And so we customize that um, large language models for financial services. And we start selling that to a lot of hedge funds, a lot of banks and insurance companies with extremely high accuracy. Now that's fantastic. So what kind of, um, you know, if you look at it now, what kind of, um, revenue do you have at this point? How big is the company? Yeah, so the company right now, we're at about 40 um, plus uh, employees and we're headquartered in New York City, um, but uh, we have three location. Um, so we have New York, Canada, and Bangalore, India. Um, in terms of size, we have about 20 enterprise customers right now, approaching about 5 million or so, and we're expecting um, to hit about seven uh, this year. Um, and so right now we're pretty much trying to scale up the revenues, uh, aggressively and it's, we're getting some really good traction in the recent weeks. So you've raised $40 million in venture capital, right? Yes. So how easy was it raising that money? It was very difficult. Um, so when we started the company, uh, we started, um, about 2014 or so, um, and we bootstrapped from 2014 to 2017. Um, that was when we we're trying to figure out what the product is going to be, who the customer is, what's the go-to-market strategy. Um, and so we got some revenues from the 20, from 2014 to 2017. And then 2017 is when we raised our first round of financing. And that was our million-dollar seed round. And it was very difficult to raise that round. I think that was one of the, the toughest round to raise. Um, because when you come from a background with no connections, um, it's a little difficult to get into the venture space. If you have no connections, it's very, it was very difficult back, to, back then. What um, do you mean by that, Kumesh? What do you mean no connections? Tell us what it's yeah. about. How does it really work? Yeah. So when I say no connection, as in um, you, so when you come, so uh, essentially I graduated college and, and so forth. Um, I was the first in my family to graduate college. Um, and then when I decided to do the startup, um, I went into a space where it's very hard to break into first financial services. You have to know, you'd have to get in touch with hedge fund managers. Uh, you have to get in touch with banks. So first that's, that's the first barrier. Um, and then second, you need to get in touch with VCs. Um, and so the way we have been getting in touch with, uh, investors in the early days was just going to pitch competition. Um, so we would basically pitch the company and win competitions and then try to uh, network with a lot of investors. Did that and help though, Kumesh? Does it help when you do it that way? It helped open up visibility. Um, so our, one of the pitch competition that we went to, it opened up visibility to Axern and to what we were doing. And we had a few people approached us and that's how we actually got our first angel investors. It was through a pitch competition in New York City. Um, 
And so once we got our first um, angel investors, they started introducing us to their community and their friends. And then that's how we start getting additional investors as well in the company. Huh, interesting. So the and how big of a check the angel investors right? Yeah, so our first couple angel investors. So when we did the seed round, um, we got introduced to uh, someone named uh, Masha Newman, um, who basically was our um, first um, investor. And then he introduced us to a lot of other um, of his investor friends. And the typical check size is about 100K or so. Um, so we closed the million dollar um, seed round literally within two weeks based on introductions. Um, and the check size was ranging anywhere between 100K to 250. Um, and we closed that $1 million seed round and we took that capital and we start um, innovating on the product and go to market from there. Well, and then how did you go about, when did you decide to do the A round? How, what round is your last round? Yeah, so we raised a total of 40 million. The last round that we raised was uh, the Series B, um, which was last year, April, and that was a $20 million Series B round. Um, but the A round, we did a $13 million Series A round in March of 2020. Um, but what's interesting is during the fundraising journey, and I see this with a lot of my founder friends, is that um, sometimes in the news, when you say you raised that $13 million A round, you're not getting $13 million in new capital. Um, some of those um, capital uh, have been raised before as a form of convertible notes or safe and they get converted in, um, but you kind of package it into a number, which is the 13 million. Um, so between 2017 and 2020, we raised a few convertible notes in SAFE um, just to accelerate sales, accelerate product innovation. And then um, we got the Series A and uh, we packaged it in from there. Now, did you do a Series B? How big was around your Series A? Yeah, so the Series A was 13 million, and then we did a Series B of 20 million last year. What was the difference, in your opinion, between the A and the B, besides the money? Was there any difference in how people viewed the company? Yeah. Um, so for a Series A, um, essentially, we had a really good product. We just need to accelerate, go to market. Um, and so we raised the Series A to um, now actually go to market with the product that we have built uh, and we have raised the capital for. The Series B, the way they look at you is all right, you have some initial market traction, you have a solid product, how can we use the capital from the Series B to fuel growth uh, long-term? And so that's how, that's, that's the, uh, from the Series B capital, essentially we try to make investments in sales and marketing to grow um, from there on. Did it help? Uh, yes, but uh, when we raised the Series B, we raised it uh, last year in 2022, and that's when the venture markets start going downward. That's when valuation was going down. There was a lot of um, layoffs, tech layoffs, and so forth. Everyone was focusing on profitability. So the funding landscape shift from growing at all costs, like we're going to give you a ton of money, go higher like crazy and win market share as quickly as possible, to go lay off and cut as many people because you need to get a profitability because we have no idea when uh, VCs are going to fund um, companies um, uh, or so. So there was a shift in mentality and shift in mindset. And so we had to make some decision as well to in terms of uh, reducing uh, headcount to get the profitability faster. Well, that's amazing. And so 
Um, what's the market like now, Kumesh? You talk to a lot of people up in New York. How, what do they say about the market? How does it feel? Um, in terms of the VC investing or the startup? VCs, are they up or down compared post-series B or post-series A? What, what's it like? Yeah, so the VC market right now, I would say in the last few months, um, things have been slowed down in terms of the VC investment landscape. So VCs are investing in less deal. They're holding on to their capital uh, and waiting for the best deal to show up. Um, and because a lot of startups, they have raised money two years ago and they didn't want to raise another round last year because valuation multiple. Yeah, they didn't want to dilute themselves either, right? Exactly. But then they're realizing that the VC market isn't getting too better. Uh, it's getting a little better than last year, but it's not getting as better. And so multiples are still down, but the startups are running out of runway. And so they have no option but to do a down round. And that's the perfect timing when the VC is going to come in and say that, all right, now we got you at a discount. Um, that's what we're seeing a lot right now. That's amazing. Yeah, they're, they're, so they're holding off to get better deals. Yes, exactly. But the other thing too that we've seen with some of our um, uh, with with some of the the VC firms because we're very close to a lot of the LPs, um, some LPs are also getting pressure to deploy capital because they're getting uh, paid a management fee um, for their fund, uh, typically a two percent management fee a year to manage the the uh, the cash. But if they're not deploying, they're not working essentially. Uh, that's kind of how the yeah, LPs. Yeah, no, I know that. I mean, the thing is, it's like. You know, I looked at it and I said one time, you've got the inside of those family offices, you got high, or inside of those VC funds, you got a lot of high net worth individuals, yeah. uh, pension funds, insurance companies, all that. But the people that in there, they just, a lot of times you don't want people to know what they're investing in. They, these families mm-hmm. are kind of clandestine about it. Uh, but uh, the other side is we're seeing them come out. They're coming out of the woodwork because they want to be involved in the process. Yeah. You know, they want to look at the AI companies. They want to invest in AI companies. And you get a family that's worth, you know, uh, 50 to 100 billion. Everything changes if they take you under the wing. Why? Exactly. You, they can take you out to the company. Their family's founded. And it changes everything, you know, mm-hmm. everything for you. Yeah, so it's crazy. Opportunities are right out there. Most yeah. So all those startups out there, you got to think about when you're raising funds, think about the impact of what it's going to be on you. And also think how you can do it as fast as you can with the right savvy type of investors. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. So tell us what it, what's, you know, what's the future look like in terms of, in terms of a CERN, uh, in terms of yourself, are you going to stay in New York? Do you want to uh, sell the company? What, what's the, uh, what's the end game here? Yeah. So from a, from a go to market standpoint, we're global right now. So we're in multiple different countries. We have some of the largest banks, top tier banks that's customers of ours in South Africa and uh, the U S and Japan, um, a lot of different places. So our number one goal right now is how do we expand fast enough? How do we win more customer? How do we win more market share? And uh, initially we have been always focused on financial services because we trained our large language models um, or NLP models for financial services. So when a financial service customer use us, they're getting the highest accuracy and plus we're no code. So they're less technical users can use us. But going forward, we want to now break out into financial services and go to additional verticals as well, because that's just going to open up the market size. Um, we want to partner with a lot of consulting firms as well that can uh, be our third party sales team at the end of the day. Um, so our number one focus is how do we grow the business? How do we accelerate um, sales and go to market? But then on the other hand, 
we have been getting a lot of acquisition offers and interest as well in the last few weeks um, because a lot of these large tech companies, they are a little behind when it comes to generative AI and NLP. And they see a company like us, uh, no-code NLP platform that's been around, that's doing really cool stuff. And they feel that acquiring us is going to really accelerate their product roadmap, accelerate their market penetration, increase their market cap. Um, so there's those things coming as well uh, that uh, has been interesting. Now, who makes a decision on where they're selling out? Is it the board and the investors or is it who you, yourself? Who makes that decision ultimately? It's the board. Um, so it's a board decision. Um, if the board... Um, is happy with um, the offer, um, you would sell. If not, we would continue growing the business, get the revenues and sell the better price after. Wow, that's amazing. I love hearing these stories, this is fantastic. So now, um, are you gonna stay in New York all the time? Where are you right now? Are you in New York or not? Yeah, I'm in New York, um, downtown uh, financial district. Um, so I've been here for, for quite a while. I, I don't think I'm going to move. I love New York. I travel so many states. But every time I come back to New York, it's, it, it's, uh, it's, it's the best state. Uh, it's one of the best states uh, that, that I just love. It's calling you. That's great. Yeah. You know, when you know, it, may, it feels like home. So we're coming to the top of the show. Kumesh, what are some closing thoughts that you have uh, for other startups around the world in terms of how to be successful? And the other thing is, how do you deal with these turbulent times that we have now where they're, you know, I, I tell them to look forward and, you know, believe in your dreams and go out. And if you're going to try to raise money, go try to raise money. But just don't talk about it. Just do it. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of lessons learned uh, from the past years that I have done Axer. And I mean, the biggest one is if you're an early stage startup and before you even raise capital, just make sure that this product market fit. Because if there is no product market fit and you take venture capital, uh, you're gonna, uh, they're going to push you to hit certain sales target with a product that doesn't have product market fit, which is a formula for failure. Um, so making sure you have product market fit is the first thing. Um, and then in terms of uh, once you take venture capital funding, just focus all out on sales and go to market. Uh, because once you're generating revenues, everything falls into places. You're going to get investors chasing you. You're going to get customers. You're going to get acquirers chasing you. Um, so revenues is is the gold mine. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. It's not like it was a couple of years ago where you could not have any revenue and you'd be getting tens exactly. of millions of dollars in funding. It was like it was irrational exuberance. It's yeah. amazing. Well, you're doing a great job. What's the best way for people to get a hold of you, Kamesh? LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, what, 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 yeah. what's the so, best way? Feel free to add, connect with me on LinkedIn, um, just my name. And you can also send me an email at commish at axern.com, K-U-M-E-S-H at A-C-C-E-R-N.com. Now, that's fantastic. Well, Kamesh, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us today for GSD Presents Silicon Valley AI and Tech. My name's Gary Fowler, and I'm your host. This is another exciting addition. Kumax's company, as CERN has done an incredible job. He's moving in the right direction. So for each one of you out there, there's a hope. There's a possibility. You can raise money now, but you got to be surgically focused. You go out and you got to do it. It's not about a shotgun. It's about a laser beam. So with that, Kumash, stay happy, stay safe, and stay healthy. And to all my audience out there, I look forward to seeing you again Thursday for another exciting edition of GSD Presents. My name's Gary Fowler, and I'll be back to you soon. Thanks, Kumash. Thanks, Great. Thanks Gary. Appreciate yep. it. Bye-bye.